Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. It is another microcast today, and I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Deepak Chona from SportsMed Analytics. Deepak, we haven't chatted in several months here. We did the Sunday night recaps all season long during last fantasy season. We don't have a lot of time for chit chat, though, because we're going to get through a lot of names here. We were talking about some players as is your expertise, with injury concerns headed into the 2023 season. Just want to note for everybody to please check out the Fantasy Pros News Desk for instant injury updates and reactions all summer long. Training camps are almost here, so don't miss out on all the twists and turns. Make sure you're following us at Fantasy Pros NFL on Twitter. Deepak, we're to get through as many names as we can here. We'll start off with one of the biggest named running backs in the sport, and that's Brees Hall coming off of that knee injury from last year. Yeah, and it's it's a big injury. Obviously, the ACL average timeline on these is, is about 10 months. Week one for Brees Hall would be 11. So he has a really good chance. Our algorithm puts it about two-thirds chance he plays week one. You do have to keep in mind, though, running backs, young running backs coming off of this type of injury do tend to need three to four games to ramp up their touches and snap counts. And then in the first six or so weeks, they do tend to have a higher rate of minor minor injuries along the way things like hamstring strains that may slow down that recovery by week six onwards the data predicts Brees Hall looking like a running back one so I do think it's worth investing in him but totally depends on draft price and your own patience level and how does his knee injury compare to what appeared to me as a layman uh, a much more devastating knee injury for Javante Williams which was also somewhat com- comparable to J.K. Dobbins from a year before, who's also still kind of coming off of that. He didn't look totally 100% last year. So kind of Brees Hall, was that a cleaner knee injury? And then Javante and, and Dobbins a year earlier were kind of a little tougher to come back from. How would you compare them? You're exactly right. Javante Williams tore another ligament called the LCL, but essentially has an ACL plus, we would say. And uh, J.K. Dobbins was in that same category. And you saw he had a little bit of a rocky start. Now the average timeline on uh, Javante's injury takes about 15 months. J.K. Dobbins did it in 13. Javante would be at 11 for week one. So it's asking a lot. It's possible. But if he's out there early, then I still wouldn't expect anything near his peak levels. And we usually see about a 20% production dip at minimum. And the other part of this is that Brees Hall and J.K. Dobbins actually are 90 plus percentile on their athleticism scores. Javante Williams more like 50 to 70th. So you may not be looking at quite the outlier recovery with Javante Williams. So I'm a little bit less than optimistic on his early return. That's a great note on the athletic profile there. Let's talk about a couple other running backs. Jonathan Taylor, ankle injury. Tony Pollard had that that tibula and also an ankle nasty looking injury. So for both of those guys, you know, not quite, you, you think of an ankle injury, you don't think of the same level of devastation as some of these, you know, ACL tear and stuff like that. Are they expected to be pretty good by week one or could this linger into the season for either of them? Yeah, it's a good question. I think with the these types of injuries, Jonathan Taylor had a relatively minor cleanup procedure, at least per reports. You wouldn't expect any issues from that in the short term. I think he should be 100% by week one. Tony Pollard, Ankle fractures for running backs actually don't tend to drop their performance, even though they do look kind of bad when they happen. Tony Pollard is projected to return to peak levels by six months, which will be well past, will be well past by week one. 
Uh, looking at some wide receivers here. Cooper Cup, one of the best wide receivers in football. Injury plagued last season. The whole Rams offense was kind of injury plagued. I mean, Matthew Stafford had multiple injuries as well. So looking, I guess, at both Cup and Stafford, how do you evaluate this Rams offense coming off of those injuries from last year? It's a little tricky. I would say with Cup, his injury was a moderate high ankle. His his comments actually suggested it wasn't so severe that he had to have surgery. All of that taken together with that injury, probably not going to see any performance hit 100% of Cooper Cup by week one. With Matthew Stafford, he had a big slew of injuries, an elbow, two concussions, and a spinal cord contusion, which sounds scary, but all of those together should heal up without any surgeries. So we expect Stafford to look really good to start off. The real question with the Rams is all these projections seem to show their offensive line as being a little weak. And for a pocket quarterback who's not really a runner, their injury rate is tied to the number of hits he takes in season. So with that being said, if Stafford's out, I don't know if that affects Cup, Cam Akers, et cetera, but, but that's where the concern may lie. But I think both of those guys, Stafford and Cooper Cup, start the season at 100%. Before we move on with today's episode, I want to take a quick second to talk about Fantrax. Fantrax is my absolute favorite platform that I play fantasy sports on. It's where I have my long-running Dynasty Baseball League. It's where I have my Devi League that I just started last year for the first time. And the reason I really love using Fantrax for these leagues is because it's so customizable. Any scoring setting you're looking for, any league setting you're looking for, whatever you want to set up when you are the commissioner of this league, you can set up the league kind of in the way that you guys want to play. You can transition your league into fan tracks from these other platforms that maybe don't offer the same level of being able to customize these settings. It's among the most trusted names in fantasy sports since 2008. And it really has everything. I mean, you have the lower super flex leagues. It's, it's got salary cap drafts. It's got fab, you know, for your waiver acquisition. But then you get into the IDP with custom settings. You get into Devi leagues. It's got Fantrax Treasurer, which collects all league fees from users and completes automatic end-of-season payouts for you. So you don't have to deal with all, really, my least favorite part of being a commissioner, which is collecting league dues and trying to remember, oh, who's paid me here? Who's who's moaning about, you know, I paid too much last year? Whatever it was, Fantrax handles all of that for you. It is really the best platform out there. I love playing on there. Again, the customability of what you can do on Fantrax is pretty un unparalleled in the industry. And as we get more and more into, you know, fantasy football continues to evolve and there's more and more things you need to do and want to do with your leagues. That's why Fantrax is the place to do it because they allow you to do whatever you want to do. I love these unique scoring settings. We always get people sending them into us on, on Fantasy Pros on social media. These are the different scoring settings my league uses. I love seeing that. Fantrax allows you to do every single one of those. So make sure you switch. If you're not already with Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports, and head to Fantrax.com slash fantasy pros. Again, that's Fantrax.com slash fantasy pros. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. How about a couple of quarterbacks in San Francisco? Brock Purdy had the elbow injury, of course, to finish his season last year. Trey Lance 
barely got a season off the ground before he suffered an injury as well. Where are those guys at in their recovery? And obviously there's a lot of question marks. Sam Darnold's there too, not that he's injured, but just question marks about who's going to be starting in San Francisco this year. Is it going to be based on health or are these guys going to all be kind of ready and it will be based on performance? So if you look at the comments coming out of there, it certainly sounds like Brock Purdy is the guy if healthy. And if I had to bet it, that would be the way I would go. So Brock Purdy's injury, he had the UCL repair that is very different than Tommy John. And it's uh, a much shorter recovery timeline. And the published experience from sort of the leading experts in that field are about five months for throwers to return. And in baseball, we see pitchers come back to elite levels all the way back to their pre-injury performance. Brock Purdy is going to strain his his UCL repair less than a pitcher would because of the differences in the throwing motion. So you would expect the same for Brock Purdy, that he should be out there pretty close to week one. We have him projected around the fourth week of August to get clearance, and he'll be ramping up along the way. So you would expect that he's not going to be just thrown into the fire out of the blue. And then Trey Lance should be 100% already. We don't really anticipate any any running or passing issues related to his ankle fracture. But again, the question is, I think, with him more performance than than health. The NFC West is just like the division of quarterback injuries. Kyler Murray, there's talks about him maybe playing week one. Obviously, he had the late, you know, the injury late into the season last year. So what do you make of Kyler's chances in week one? He's obviously a quarterback that relies on running the ball a lot to be effective. How might that be impacted even if he is on the field? What do you make of Kyler? Yeah, this one, if you put all the numbers into an algorithm, it comes out with a lot of variation in when he's going to return. The reason for that is that Kyler's an elite athlete. He has the the numbers to predict a fast recovery, but an average on these would be about 10 months. But then you also factor in that he's young, has a guaranteed contract, and the team is projected to be pretty bad. And all of those actually predict a slower return in historical data. So we're estimating somewhere around week eight for Kyler. It wouldn't necessarily be surprising to see him out there early. But uh, if you look at him from a fantasy perspective, his running is very likely to be limited. And that we see in, in the data over the years for rushing quarterbacks. And then with Kyler Murray, he's also short. And you hear short quarterbacks all the time talk about having to move around just to sort of create the throwing lanes. So you have to wonder if he's even going to be able to do that. if he comes back around week one. So I'm fading Kyler Murray pretty hard. It has a lot to do with the team and the overall situation, as we discussed, but also that rushing ability is probably just not going to be there this year. Deepak, you know I'm a Ravens fan, so we're going to wrap with a couple of Ravens receivers. They signed Odell Beckham Jr. in the offseason. He, of course, missed last year after his injury in the Super Bowl the year prior. And then Rashad Bateman, who a lot of people in Baltimore and, and outside of Baltimore have had a lot of high hopes for, since he was drafted in the first round, but he had an injury his first year as a rookie that cost him the beginning of the season. Last year, he missed the end of the season because of this foot issue that he then had an injection in in the offseason that scared a lot of people. So between Odell and Bateman, who are you more confident in in terms of being fully ready to go and healthy here in week one and lastly through the whole season? Yeah, I think for the whole season, I would probably go Bateman. For week one at full performance, I would say probably Odell. And the reason is that on Odell's injury, you're usually seeing about an 18-month performance hit, and he'll be at 19 by week one. 
So that I, I do anticipate he's going to be a big sleeper value pick for a lot of people this year. And then with regarding uh, Brashad Bateman, now he's he did have that injection, and there's some concern there. The Liz Frank usually does cause a performance dip that for Bateman you would expect to sort of end around mid to late October. So he he's probably ramping up a little bit, 80-90% to start the season. But I don't think this is going to cause him to miss any time because we got in some ways good news that the hardware had already been removed from his foot. And that means there's no additional procedure that's likely to be needed there. So I think overall Bateman and OBJ probably ready to go week one. A little bit more faith in OBJ early on, but for the long run, probably Bateman. That'll do it for us. For Dr. Deepak Chona, I am Ryan Warmly. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros.